soul-level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guests' spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. Follow your heart, love will find you. Truth will unbind you. Seek out the song of the soul and we'll sing this song. Why don't you sing guest today for Song of the Soul is Justin Otto. Justin is a senior at the University of Wisconsin in Eau Claire studying social work. His spiritual search and study over the last couple years has brought him to Christian science. Good morning, Justin. Thanks for joining me for Song of the Soul. Good to be here. I was really pleased that you accepted my invitation and that you brought me a lot of music that I know relatively little about. Have you always been into music? I think so, more so in the last few years. What kind of music did your folks raise you around? Bob Dylan, Fleetwood Mac, that sort of thing. How do you feel about that kind of music these days? I listen to a lot of it, but I've found my own niche, and currently I'm more into jazz and things like that, so it's it's growing. A lot of the music we're going to hear is stuff that was really big in my life in the last few years. Were you raised in any kind of religious tradition? No, my parents stressed the importance of having an open mind. And uh, when I was 15, my mother left home to join a more traditional Christian church. And so that had a huge impact on my thinking. But I think that from the very beginning, I've always felt an inclination to Christianity. I, I hadn't known that about your mom leaving home when you were 15. Do you have other siblings? And was this just kind of out of the blue? It sounds like it's a pretty damaging situation. We didn't see it coming, and it would be wrong to blame the religion, but at the same time, that's part of her new life, however she defines it. 
I have three younger siblings living with her on the East Coast right now, and they are all being brought up in a more strict Bible Belt Christian church. Is it okay if I ask what that religion is or what she left home for? And did she take those three younger ones with her when she left? She took them with, and when I speak of the the religion, I just mean in general Southern Baptist, evangelical, traditional Christianity is is what they consider it. So up to the age of 15, had you gone to church periodically? Did she take you, or did you do once a year Christmas with the grandparents? When the grandparents came, we all went, and I hated it. And it actually made me feel embarrassed. And I viewed God in the same way that I viewed sex as a child, where it was something that was taboo, even though I knew it was a part of life. But at the same time, I did have access to religious literature, My parents did see me take an interest in that at some point and did get me an illustrated Bible, and I remember reading that when I was young. And so it was sort of a, I was fascinated by it all, but I wasn't very open about it. You're a Christian scientist now. How did you get to that religion? When I was 19, I sat down and I decided that it was time to start to figure this out. And so I made a list of all of the faiths that I had ever been curious about but not had any um, knowledge of and near the top of that list was Christian science. And when I found out that there was a single textbook that put to words all of their beliefs, written by the founder of the church, I became very curious. I went out and I got a copy, and I started reading it, and it just spoke to me from the very first word, because it is a faith that really appeals to thinkers and to people that like to take on the challenge very privately. How long have you been attending? Is this back in when you were 19 that you started attending Christian Scientists? Yes, and it's been a few years now. I was part of Sunday school for two years altogether, I think, and uh, I've been a church member since last March. What does it involve to become a church member of Christian Scientists? You have to fill out an application. You meet with the board members of the church, but it's not a very scary process. I mean, these were people that I had seen weekly for a long time, and so it was just their way of welcoming me in. And that's the same for everyone, from what I understand. Are there any particular creeds or beliefs that you have to affirm to in order to be part of Christian Scientists? Is that part of the filling out the form process? They want to see that we avoid drugs and alcohol, and they want to see that we accept it as the best way. But it isn't a very strict creed. It's not like we have to subscribe to a set number of beliefs. The whole belief system in Christian science isn't like that. We don't check a bunch of boxes. We don't make a contract. The idea is that if we are serious about it and we want to advance in it, it only makes sense to follow the teaching. And if we follow the teachings, it will be expressed in our lives. And it's more more of a process than a contract of any sort. Justin, I'd like to turn to the music that you chose for your Song of the Soul, which I think recapitulates some of how you got to the place you are today. The first song that you chose is by Joy Division. It's called New Dawn Fades. Why did you pick this song? Because I see that as life without spirituality in the end. And I think that anyone who tries to avoid those questions is digging a hole for themselves. And I'm not saying that Christian science has to be the answer for everyone, but I see that in each of us there is a deep need for some kind of resolution of the big problems. The singer of this band was not able to find any resolution, even though he desperately wanted it, and he eventually killed himself as a result. And this song is his announcement to the world that he had given up on the struggle. When did you get exposed to this song? How old were you? 
My brother introduced me to this band when I was very young, actually, when he was a teenager, and I was still in、uh, elementary school. He was listening to this band, and I didn't quite understand what it was all about at the time. But I just remember hearing the pain in this man's voice and wondering what brought him to that point. Did you go through a phase where you felt that kind of lost, wondering, what's it all about? Yes, and I I continue to go through phases like that where. I really put my understanding to the test, and I really begin to ask the deeper questions. But I've never become so lost in it as to contemplate something like suicide. For me, it is always just a normal cycle of being, of reaching higher spiritual levels. And、uh, I see it as like the dark night of the soul described in the Bible, that we have to very soberly review our lives and determine where we're going. We'll listen here to New Dawn Fades. By Joy Division.
I just realized, Justin, after playing that song, that it's somewhat of a contradiction that the group is called Joy Division when there's obviously so much pain that is part of the whole journey of this group. Did that ever strike you? The name of the band comes from a book called The House of the Dolls, and it's about forced prostitution in Germany during World War II. Sort of an ironic name, if that makes the band sound any lighter. You told me earlier that this next song is about choosing identity. I think you've had to go through a very deliberate process, or maybe you've chosen to go through a very deliberate process of choosing your identity. Do you see yourself as a majorly different person today than you were five years ago? I realized at some point that I was asking the wrong question. And the more I understand who I am and what I'm about, the more I realize that we are all one. And if I could, I would just like to quote from the Christian Science textbook, Science and Health with Key to the Scriptures. When we realize that there is one mind, the divine law of loving our neighbor as ourselves is unfolded, whereas a belief in many ruling minds hinders man's normal drift towards the one mind. That was the strange answer I came to in the end that in trying to find who I was as a person, I found everyone else there, too. I found God. And that the, the question isn't finding our egos, but finding our identities is more than finding our egos. Tell us about this next song. This song is a just general statement on how arbitrary it seems that we become the people that we become and how maybe it isn't our natural impulse, maybe it's just forced upon us by the outside world. I don't know much about The Cure. What can you tell me about the band? They're a rock band that also got started in the late 70s, and they're still around today. And they've had a few very popular songs, but for the most part they've just been in the background. Do you have some kind of conception you can put into words of what God is? God is love. To paraphrase Mary Baker Eddy, God is love, and love is all we need, and love is everything. And to, to look beyond love is to make a mistake. When, when we really understand what love is, and we look at the instances in our life where we have seen it, then it starts to make more sense. And it's, it's a simple answer, and yet it's complex. Love is the most important thing, and it's everywhere, and it's what we must come into the full awareness of then I'm presuming that part of the reason you found a home with Christian scientists is that you found the amount of love that you both experience and see has increased as you've been in that environment? I understand that anything that contradicts the law of love, which is part of the totality of God, is just an illusion. That to look anywhere besides love is to be making a mistake because all of the good and desirable things in the world somehow reflect the idea of love. Well, we're not quite to that as we listen to The Cure, but we're going to listen to This is a Lie by The Cure as they explore the arbitrariness of identity.
dusty sides I've never been sure The part we play The way we are Each of us denies Any other way In the world Why each of us must choose I've never understood One special friend One true love Each of us must lose Everyone else in the world However unsure However unwise Day after day Play out our lives However confused Pretending to know To the end is love and anything else is an illusion, how do you deal with the concept of evil? What is evil in that context? Evil is a lie, and evil is anything that parades itself as having an awareness or an importance beyond God. There are certainly hurtful and injurious actions that people undertake and intentions that they have. How do those fit into an overall theological viewpoint, mass murder, genocide. If it's all an illusion, is there any reason to work against it, or is the only working against it just to be turning towards love? 
Christian scientists are often attacked on this point, and I'm not saying you're attacking me. I'm just saying that it is one of the theological gaps that many other faiths see and call us on. Because in Science and Health with Q, the scriptures, Mary Baker Eddy often uses evil as being synonymous with error. Now, error doesn't sound that terrible, but she also considers the mind as being everlasting. So if we take the idea of genocide, do the perpetrators really rob those who are killed of their lives? And what of them when they pass on? Do they find salvation? We need to look at the totality of the person. Anyone who would commit such a horrible act or have party to such a horrible act is not going to find release at death. They're going to be in the same trapped mindset that they were in life. Just as someone who endures great suffering, as the Bible shows us over and over again, is in many ways more likely to come to a fuller understanding of the truth because they have to deal with the greater issue. Error can be terrible. Evil just has a mythical meaning to it. We have so many ideas associated with evil that we've carried with us from the storybooks we heard as children. We think that things that are errors can be easily resolved, and that's simply not true, and that's how the Christian scientists would look at it. If I understand the Christian science worldview goes, there's not much impetus towards what I, as a Quaker, would think of as activism. That is to say, there's not a big drive to reform governments or go out and heal the sick. How common is activism really amongst Christian scientists? Simply to look at the Christian scientist worldview as I'm telling it, you know, being an inexperienced member of the church, there is a temptation to say that, well, if the whole idea is to resolve thought, then where is the activism? So we have to look to the origins of the church and consider how dramatic it was for a woman to found a church in the late 1800s. And if I could read from the textbook again, here are a few words she says about slavery. The history of our country, like all history, illustrates the might of mind and shows human power to be proportionate to its embodiment of right thinking. A few immortal sentences, breathing the omnipotence of divine justice, have been potent to break despotic fetters and abolish the whipping post and slave market. But oppression neither went down in blood, nor did the breath of freedom come from the cannon's mouth. Love is the liberator. If we truly believe in the principle of love, then we will work to reform society. Tell us about the next song that you've chosen, Long Satan and Babylon. Why did you choose this, and what has Current 93 got to do with your worldview? Current 93 is a folk group that sort of started their music from an Eastern-based understanding of things. The lead singer, David Tibet, considers himself a Buddhist and yet he finds much agreement with the Christian worldview. The song Long Satan and Babylon is all about how the war goes on internally. Oftentimes people are quick to find evil in the outside world without first understanding that Satan is deceiving us from within, and that to see past the deception is to work towards the greater good. Is it fair to say that among Christian scientists that your view, Justin, wouldn't necessarily agree with the outlook that other people have about a person, you know, a physical manifestation of evil, Satan. There's a whole diversity of opinions, and it's not really the point of the religion to debate those and agree on those. You look at 
the scholars of Christianity, both Protestant and Catholic, and you find that many of them are in agreement that it would be contrary to the scriptures for Satan to need to manifest himself as a dramatic outward evil force. Now, the disagreement would come with uh, the end times, but in terms of how Satan works in the world, what Satan is, what the evil force is really about, among Protestant and Catholic scholars, there seems to be a consensus with the Christian scientist in many ways. I think you may have misunderstood my question. What I was really asking is, given the inwardness and the, I guess, open-seeking nature of Christian science, there isn't a doctrine and a belief that Satan has to be like this or this or this, or maybe there is. I'm, I'm just not quite clear. No, there's very little said about Satan beyond Satan representing nothingness, just like God is light and darkness, and that darkness is nothing. Well, let's listen to Current 93 as they perform Long Satan and Babylon. Long Satan and Babylon are walking They're talking of fire and of ice Shadows, you must look in your heart. <laughs> 
I found the concept behind the music of the following group really interesting. Can you tell me about the Cocteau Twins and their style of music? The Cocteau Twins believe that music is more important than lyrics. The previous bands we've heard so far all center a lot of their meaning on the lyric. With the Cocteau Twins, the, the singer of the band does not use any real specific words. And you can interpret what she's saying as being English, or any other language for that matter, but it is wrong to try to pick out meanings of the words. Now the name of the song is Seekers Who Are Lovers, and I take from the title what I can, because she doesn't really explain anything. She just lets whatever syllables and vowels come out of her mouth to build up on the musical principle. So what do you take this song to be about? I see it as a celebration of love love in general and love is one of the few words that you can actually hear her say love in the context of just a very pretty sound we're going to listen here to the Cocteau Twins who are performing Seekers Who Are Lovers Let's 
Justin, what's the earliest, I guess, public memory that you have, a national event that you can recall in your life, having been born in 1984? Oklahoma City was a big crisis. I remember when I was very little, the other huge event was Columbine, the Littleton Massacres. I think the press has forgotten a lot about that. But I think perhaps the most dramatic of the events was 9-11. And seeing our country attacked on its own soil was a very dramatic experience. And I remember I was in high school at the time, and uh, they let us all into the auditorium, and they brought out a huge, like they projected the video of it happening onto the theater screen. And we saw it unfolding before our eyes, and it was such a dramatic and frightening time because we had no idea what it what it meant and actually we expected the resolution to be a lot worse than it was we thought that maybe the attacks would continue and that seeing the towers go down was proof that we were all vulnerable and it sort of took a lot of the innocence of being an american away not there there was much but at least we we seemed to be our own enemies in many ways but to see foreign invaders take over and take human life and the press was so graphic. <laughs> I remember that too. Like uh, technology has advanced to the point where we could see bodies falling out of windows and just really horrific things, and it just sent shockwaves through the community. Even though we're so far removed from New York, we all felt it. This next song by Interpol is about New York City. What's the history of the group with this song? Interpol is a New York band, and they were there when it happened. A lot of the music that came as a result of that act seemed to be angry, directed at the terrorists, or just sort of patriotic music became really popular. When they released this song, it was more just a lament for what happened, and it was told from a secular point of view. And so it uh, challenges fundamentalism on both sides, both from the attackers and from our own government. So that must mean that maybe you see some fundamentalism in our own government, in our reaction. I believe so, and I don't think it's anything new, and I think that uh, it strips Christianity of a lot of its mystery. Let's listen to a lament about 9-11. The song is NYC, and the group is Interpol.
the next song that you've chosen by David Bowie is called Drive-In Saturday. I guess, I I don't know that there's at all that many drive-ins left around the world right now. I know there are some, but uh, they were commonplace when I was growing up. How do you connect with this song? This was a song written in the 70s, about the 50s. And so it uh, just sort of takes <laughs> previous generations and kind of molds them together. The reason I chose this song is because it mentions Young. And Young and a lot of the writers he influenced, like Maslow and Rogers, were a huge influence on me and steered me in the direction of Christian science, I think. I'm paying homage to the boomer generation, the war babies, and what they gave us, but at the same time I understand that there's ground that I need to cover too in my life. The psychologists of the 50s and 60s were very humanist, and yet at the same time they told us to self-actualize, and they told us to find spirituality, and that spirituality was good in many cases. And uh, Jung wrote a lot about dreams and about the subconscious and trusting the unknown. And I see that as coinciding with Mary Baker Eddy a lot. I guess I could say that the whole idea of drive-ins was a fair amount of popular culture. It seems to me like you've chosen to step beyond the influences of popular culture. Do you feel in step with other students at UW-Eau Claire? I do. I still go to parties, even if I don't get drunk. I still go out. I still have many friends in the community. And I don't think that anyone really buys into the concept of a single pop culture anymore. It's easy to look back at any generation and see, well, the 50s was about rock and roll and drive-ins, and maybe the 70s was about disco. But is that ever really the case? I think that there is always a great diversity in thought. When and where do Christian scientists meet in Eau Claire? They meet on Farwell Street, right across from the Unitarian Universalist Church. Services are 10.30 every Sunday morning. Up through the age of 20, you can enroll in the Sunday school. And it's a small congregation, but it's very caring people, and there's no kneeling or anything. You just sit there, you hear the sermon, you absorb the, the thought, and then you make up your own mind. Do they meet at other times, other prayer, Bible studies, or that kind of thing? They have Wednesday night meetings at 7, also at the church, and then downtown on Barstow Street they have a reading room, and the reading room is open to the public, and so anyone who is interested and maybe wants to check out the textbook or any other materials is free to borrow them. The address is 28 South Barstow Street, and the phone number is 834-1412. This next song is recognition of the previous generations who've contributed to Justin's growth and search. It's David Bowie singing Drive-In Saturday. Let me put my arms around your head Gee, it's hot, let's go to bed Don't forget to turn on the light Don't laugh, babe, it'll be all right Pour me out another phone I'll ring and see if your friends are home Perhaps the strange ones in the dome Can lend us a book we can read up alone And try to get it on like once before When people stand in Jagger's eyes His name was always funny 
next song has an interesting story behind it. Can you tell me about Dead Can Dance and the song How Fortunate the Man with None? This is originally a poem by Bertolt Brecht. He wrote the Three Penny Opera and he was a German socialist who was a very prolific poet. He wrote a lot about the tragedy of what it means to be responsible and the brutality of people. His base is is all socialism. He was a Marxist, but I find myself agreeing with him on many points. The idea that people are not always receptive to ideas and ways of life that take greater effort, and that people want to find the easy way out, and that that is holding us back. 
What has this song got to do with your spiritual journey? It represents the cross that I bear and the cross that anyone who is serious about finding faith has to bear, that people are not always receptive to faith and that faith being a complex answer to a complex problem seems almost impossible at times and that we shouldn't allow that to stop us. It's pretty obvious to me, Justin, that you're willing to put significant effort towards your search. How long did it take you really to find a home in Christian science? Was it really the first place that you visited when you got serious, or did you really check out a lot of places? I went to a few other churches first, and I still do from time to time. I'll go out into the community and see what else is out there. I want to know what is going on in faith. I want there to be kinship among all religious peoples and non-religious peoples, uh, among all people that want to work towards a greater good. Christian science made sense to me right away, and it's where I am, it's where I belong, but I am not here to say that it is the only way. We appreciate all forms of higher thinking. We base so much of our teaching on thought that anyone who decides to go out and find the answers will end up a number of places. The important thing is that you look, it's not where you end up. Well, let's listen to Dead Can Dance performing How Fortunate the Man with None. You saw sagacious Solomon You know what came of him To him complexity seems plain He cursed the hour that gave birth to him And saw that everything was vain How great and wise was Solomon The world, however, didn't wait But soon observed what followed on It's wisdom that had brought him to this state How fortunate the man with none How fortunate the man with none Just the same And as they raised the fatal knife How loud he cried 
I saw A world however didn't wait But soon observed what followed on It's courage that had brought him to that state How fortunate the man with none How fortunate the man with
watching at the man with none. I want to thank you, Justin, for taking the time to be with me. Thank you. If I could, I would just like to close with one more quote from Mary Baker Eddy from Science and Health. If you launch your bark upon the ever agitated but healthful waters of truth, you will encounter storms. Your good will be evil spoken of. This is the cross. Take it up and bear it, for through it you win and wear the crown. Pilgrim on earth, thy home is heaven. Stranger, thou art the guest of God. Thank you very much, Justin. You've been listening to Justin Otto's Song of the Soul. Justin is a member of the Christian Science Congregation here in Eau Claire and a senior at the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire studying social work. You can hear this program again via the Internet at www.northernspiritradio.org. Song of the Soul is produced by Mark Helpsmeet. If you'd like to share your Song of the Soul with the listeners of WHYS-FM Radio, please contact me via my email address, helpsmeet at usa.net. That's H-E-L-P-S-M-E-E-T at usa.net. And please join me Sundays at 11 a.m. for Song of the Soul. Sing out a song of the soul and the sea.